0: You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk
1: Cicerone is a company that is always encouraging new authors to seek out and explore new destinations. But the company is also home to a family of writers who have honed their skills over many, many years. One such fine writer is Mark Richards, a man who I've been waiting to meet for a long time, and someone who can trace his passion for the hills directly back to the unusual experience of walking as a young man with the late, great Alfred Wainwright. So Mark, welcome.
0: It's a joy to be with you to to share my experiences and my love of the outdoors.
1: Now your, your books have a very distinctive feel to them because they've grown over that period of time, and very much part of a new tradition, really, of, of of
0: books and line drawings. That does date back to Rainwright. Indeed. My work is, uh, I, my earliest work was focused on the pen and ink drawing side of it. Um, I, my influence at the beginning was, I, I was not a great reader, and so I loved comics and Black Bob the Dandy Wonder Dog and so forth, were great influences on me in my very uh, great youth. Um And it wasn't until I was about 13 on a first family trip to the Lake District, just a day trip from the Yorkshire Dales, that I acquired Waywright's The Southern Fells. And it was like a little comic to me at the time, because I didn't know anything about the fells or fell walking. I was a farmer and the countryside was a different environment. It It was a working environment, not a leisured environment. And I read this book and through my teens, it grew on me and I felt very much a part of it I, and I, I related it back to all my love of pen and ink and I started drawing and when I joined a mountaineering club at my, about the age of 20 suddenly the idea of doing drawings from my walking came together and it was so focused on the, that original Wainwright guide and I started drawing, doing lots of drawings and a family friend Recognized my passion and enthusiasm, and gave several copies to Wainwright for his comments. And he was just newly married, remarried, and his new wife was encouraging him to be more expansive and to appreciate
1: the people who... I think it's safe to say she developed the softer side of his personality. Yes,
0: she brought out the softer side of his personality, which was always there. And the fact that he did really like people, if they loved what he was doing. And I went to see him and stayed with him a, a dozen weekends over a three or four year period in the early 70s. And really got the magic that he imparted and I saw him working and I, it really coalesced in my mind that the idea of producing my own walking guides that were pen and ink based.
1: Now what fascinates me about that is I've never really thought about the attraction before. One of the things I have noticed, even with contemporary books that, that keep that line drawing thing going, that a lot of people seem to intuitively prefer those as guidebooks to ones that just rely on reproductions of OS maps or whatever like that. And it, it adds something completely different to it, doesn't it? Right. And I'd never thought of the, the comic connection before, but I can see that.
0: Yes, it is. It's a very graphic, a very personal perception of an environment. And uh, it, because it was, did not have colour, it defined everything very precisely and, and gave it, an, it, it... It was timeless. And so you could actually uh, share a, an environment in a very distinct way. It was a very personal relationship the author had with the the reader.
1: Now, so here you are, as a young man, getting involved in producing your books, producing your line drawings, and suddenly you're in contact with Rainwright, the old master. Now, there are many people that have had that relationship with him. I mean, was it as extraordinary at
0: the time as obviously it is now in
1: retrospect?
0: Uh, It was very extraordinary and surreal in some respects to me at the time, but because at the time he was still a very private man had not he was he was shunning all out media and so forth influences, so that our relationship was just as equals in a sort of a way, and um, I really felt I knew the man himself and what he amounted to and what he, his values were, and his pleasure in exploring and turning that into a, a, a of a defined product um, and with a very mm. clear view of his, what the drawing should look like, he had a a, a very precise approach to it. The, the actual production of guidebooks, and uh, I shared that pleasure with him. And we had ideas to do with books together and so forth. It, it was as, almost as naive as that. We were had uh, and I walked a lot of the coast to coast with him when he originally did the research for that, and the Outlying Fells guidebook he did and Westmoreland heritage I wandered around.
1: There aren't many people that can claim to have walked regularly with Rainwrights rain rides because he was very choosy wasn't he about who, he, who he, oh, he actually went with on the hills. No
0: he wouldn't uh, necessarily walk with it uh, he didn't walk with many people at all his second wife made a point of well, encouraging. Well she had to him.
1: insist really didn't she I think. Yes
0: she, she had quite a pull on him and uh, but because we were sort of Birds of a Feather, we, we got on like a house on fire and we had wonderful conversations and I got such encouragement and enthusiasm from him that I feel that over the years I've tried faithfully to be a true disciple of his ideals and continue to expand and and be uh, a reflection of of the quality of work that he represented and, and a genuine tradition. Uh, so I, I, some people say I copied Wainwright, but that's completely untrue. You, he was a major influence on me mm-hmm. and I always w- hope constantly to, um, uh, to expand and change my style just little bits and to reflect the current age and be a part of an, uh, a, uh, an enthusiasm that encourages other people to do similar work. I'd love to see more people get involved with pen and ink drawing and so forth, just to add the range of skills and the graphics that I love doing. I'm fascinated by that notion of
1: precision, because obviously the pen and ink drawings, when you look at Wainwright's books, are the most obviously distinctive things that stand out. But there's something, isn't there, about that precision, the way that he saw a hill, or the way that he was absolutely convinced you, you had to approach it, this was the best way of doing it that somehow gives readers, particularly those exploring an area for the first time, I think, a lot of confidence in it. And I'm fascinated by that precision, because that is something you can still see in your work, I think.
0: Yes, I I, I hope so. I'm I'm constantly looking afresh at landscapes and the hills that I love to climb. It's it's almost like virgin territory. Every time, like I'm doing this series on the Lakeland Fells, And I've approached it as if nobody had ever been there before, in a sense, or nobody had ever written about it before. And uh, it's that feeling of being a pioneer, not just that I'm a pioneer, but that the people using the guidebooks can feel that they are pioneers. Now,
1: that must be quite a challenge, because if we look at, I don't know how many guidebooks there are currently in print on, on the lakes, but... It must be almost running into hundreds. Mm. But, of course, for those discovering them for the first time, for young people or people who just decide they've got maybe a bit more time as they get towards retirement and want to explore, they're exploring for the first time. So actually finding ways of making those stories fresh again is,
0: mm. is quite a challenge, I would guess. It, it, I suppose in a funny sort of way, the fact that I've never been a very good reader has come to my advantage because I have not been hugely influenced by the writings of other writers on the Lake District. I respond to it as I see it and as I, in conversation with people, because I, walking on my own, like Wayne I did, most of the time I walk on my own and I love engaging with people as I go round, both walkers and the natives and people engage in their daily work. And you pick up so much useful little anecdotal knowledge that it's lovely that you can always bring in something fresh and real and uh, as, as of now and as of importance of now. And a guidebook has to be a reflection of now, although the fact that it is part of a long tradition adds another dimension that I'm proud and, and delighted to be a part of. And I would love to hope that there are other people who, within the family of Cicero, for example, can continue to share that continuity feel.
1: Well, I hope they do. And we'll come back to this issue of the family of Cicero and later, because it's something that um, is quite striking when you're here. But, I mean, we're talking about the lakes, and we obviously associate you very much with the lakes and with the rain heritage. But you've, you, in terms of guidebook writing, you cover many a much wider area than that, don't you? I mean, your, your series on the peaks in, in Derbyshire, the dark and the white peaks, are, are fantastic books and, and almost quite unique, I think.
0: Yes, I started down in the Cotswolds where I lived, and and didn't leave the Cotswolds until I was nigh on 50. Um, and I have never been a great world traveler, but I've loved exploring our native land. And I was drawn by the then owner of Cicerone, Walt Unsworth, the great Walt Unsworth, to do a guide to the Peak District. Uh, and I did a three-part guide, totally as if it like a wainwright. It was all hand-drawn. And I got such delight in it and uh, being able to create something that was di- very distinctly different from a Wainwright guide in that I did lots of circular walks. It wasn't an ascent of kinder and so forth. It was an attempt to get a so way people... Because the Peak District is very much a, a day trip destination. So I did a th- about eight, nine, 90 circular walks in three guidebooks. Um, and I got such pleasure out of put, drawing it together. Um, and it was probably the first book where I had to do a lot of writing in it. That was a a, a growth thing for me. Uh, I never saw myself as anything other than an artist or illustrator, to be more precise. And I have come kicking and screaming round into doing the writing side of it. And, and it's, I've, I've learned a, a good deal over the years.
1: It's a fascinating go, isn't it, the piece? Because not only do you have that wonderful... Um... Scenery, and as you said it 's very accessible from from the midlands from South Yorkshire and uh, greater, the Man- greater Manchester areas, but of course, it has that fantastic history, you know both um, uh, ancient history and, and, and more recent history around the industrial revolution or whatever you know and it's uh, it 's an extraordinarily rich area, I guess to explore and try and capture a feel for
0: yeah it 's got the rambling tradition, but writ large there mm. because of the industrial basis of the working class access the, their freedom that and was that, found. That's
1: still there somehow isn't it there's still a feeling of that which makes it special I think
0: oh it is it's very human and grassroots feeling that now I'm part of a guidebook tradition but the actual walking tradition is very strong there and uh, and there's so many permutations of routes that one can come up with and endlessly reinvent the wheel it, uh, in, in the concept of linear routes or day trips and big days, grand routes, the Dewant Watershed or the Marston Dale Walker. There's an amazing array of them. Even the Penham Way starts down that way. Should have started at Ashbourne so that you could really have seen the Peak District, but there you go. They got that one wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yes, I mean, I, I, that was the first national trail I did a long, long time ago, and my only memory of it now really is mud. <laughs> I <don't> really a <laughs> movie on that. and it wasn't glorious. But um, I, but I was back in the peaks um, last year for the first time in a while, actually, and, and staying in Edale, and I was quite struck by the atmosphere of it. I mean, you you talked about that, you know, that it being that's the centre of a working class movement out of the cities, out of Manchester at the weekends, and you do think about the climbers.
0: Um, oh, the, the, it is the home of rock climbing feels, today it? still,
1: it's, it's still got a, it's kind of got a different atmosphere than many other
0: has, walking centers indeed you know, as i say the home of banteneer rock climbing uh, the best rock climbing uh, best training ground for rock climbing is still the peak district the lake district is an embellishment from that but for, if you want to be a good climber you really got to get on the gridstone and, um, and the limestone. Um, I know my dentist is a very keen climber. He, he's been on many expedition, expeditions with Bonington over the years, um, and he's tossed up whether to have a practice in the Lake District or Sheffield. He still questions even to this day. But anyway, the notion that Peak District represents a great deal to many sides of the outdoor world, and now with mountain bikes, you can enjoy that as well down there. It's a. I, I love the Lake District, but the Peak District serves a very important purpose. Now, you're you're
1: currently revising or or just revised the the Peak books, haven't you? Um, first major revision in a while. That should be something to look forward to. Oh,
0: I'm I'm l- 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 relishing the prospect of. And I've more or less st- got. I made s- several sorties down to the Peak District. It's a great opportunity to. revisit the deja vu feeling of I've been here before but I can't remember it or yeah this is interesting and it's 25 years ago since I actually produced those three guides to the Peak District and coming again I still get that little buzz that this is a very special place Uh, and because it's more geared to the valleys rather than the hills uh, it's got a it's much more a working environment with a lot of woodland and natural history to um, vary the experience. But then there's the wild moorlands and the gritstone edges and the limestone gorges and sparkling rivers. And it's absolutely magical place, and I'm really enjoying the prospect of this this year doing the White Peak. Next year I'll be doing the Dark Peak, uh, along with. Other work for Cicerone. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll, we'll come on to that later. But, I mean, one of the things that fascinates me,
1: I mean, coming, go, going back and revisiting a place you knew quite a long time ago, uh, and you must have seen this in the Peak District, is the way in which the outdoor economy has become so important now to those, those communities. It's very striking, isn't it?
0: It is. I find fascinating the times I've been down recently. I've encountered various people during my walks, and I remember staying at one bed and breakfast at Bamford uh, in October and the the man who uh, the husband and wife had moved up from London 15 years ago and they'd used my guidebooks prior to that. And that had swung them round to the idea that this would be a wonderful place to run a little B&B business. And they were over the moon to come across the axes to meet me because I'd made a direct influence on their <laughs> economic move and the, and the fact they were running a, a thriving little business. And like like I've met National Park Rangers down there who have I met one who has come from Lincolnshire as a direct result of using my guidebook. And it influenced them to come and become a part of the actual uh, interface with the Walker and and become involved with that landscape. It's interesting how guidebooks influence other people economically and physically to come into an area and and serve the area in many ways.
1: And of course, this is sustainable tourism. Of you know, something that we've been to hear a lot about recently. And I, I mean, another of the, another uh, area that you know well is um, the Hadrian's Wall area. And I was talking to the chief executive of Hadrian's Wall a couple of months ago, and she was talking to me about what a big economic economic impact that new trail is having in a very positive, sustainable light. Now, you were telling me earlier that you know. You've, you, your recent guide is that you've come back to it over a period of time, and mm. the big change over that period, but yes. with the, with the wall and the new trail.
0: Yes, I Cicero and the uh, Waltonsworth invited me to do a guide to Hadrian's Wall some 16 years ago, when the idea of a national trail was not even c- uh, considered. And I, because I'd done a guide to Offers Dyke, I was had a, a feel for doing a historic landscape and a historic frontier. And this one was a, a very heroic and intrig- intriguing one. Until it became a national trail, nobody really thought they could do it. And so my, my original guidebook, Cicerone Guide, didn't sell very well at all. Suddenly, you create a national trail. Every man and his wife think, this is a thing we can do for a week's holiday. It's, very, it's a coast to coast in a, uh, in a nutshell. Um, that in five or six days we could do it and suddenly everybody's doing it and I've always got a concern for an environment that is as historic as that one and um, have been part of uh, uh, um, uh, 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 we've been thinking about how to Encourage people to walk it in the right way with, and understand what they're, what they're walking on and what they're looking at. And uh, so I've done the National Trail Guide. I've al- I also devised a, a separate route called the Roman Ring, which looks around the wall, uh, just immediately north of the wall. I, I've got, created a route called the Moss Troopers Trail from Walltown Quarry through to Simonburn. M-
1: much more than just the National Trail, because one of the fascinating things about that area is the whole notion of border country, really. We were talking about that earlier, weren't we, about how fascinating border areas are. They've got something special about
0: them. Borders, however ancient, however modern, are fascinating environments. They are more... uh, You see a a richer uh, richer language or a richer history... And certainly the Hadrian's one, like the Offersdyke one, has a lot going for it in, in that respect. I'm, uh, if, in, anybody who lives in that immediate vicinity considers themselves a, a borderer, not an Englishman or a Scotsman. So that tells you a great deal. It's rather like the border reavers. There's so many families in the area who can trace themselves to that dark time, but they still v- uh, are very proud of, of being a part of that area. Yeah. It's it's a so it's an interesting landscape and it's got a lot it's got a bit of bite to it, it's got a lovely feel to it.
1: Now coming back to the lakes, um, you're just about to embark on a new book which we're lucky enough to have some of the proofs with now, and that takes this interest in graphics into into another kind of field, doesn't it? So it's not the line drawings we've been used to, but it it, it has a very different kind of graphic feel, which is. Instantly appealing on the page, and just looking at the proofs here, you can see this is going to be a book that's going to appeal to a lot of people. So, what's been the thinking behind behind the the new title? Uh,
0: it's um, because I do a regular thing on radio as well. I, I've been doing a lot of graphics specifically for those walks, my park and stride walks on Radio Cumbria, and I wanted to reach um, produce a one book on the Lake District that um, gave people really good, solid, not long days, but nice day walks that, are, that show all, many, the, all the many facets and sides of the Lake District. So I've got diagrams in there, but I've also been able to, able to customise Harvey maps. So I've been able to bring my own personality a little bit to their maps. So that, with the, the photographs, the special diagrams and the maps I think all it envelops into a very precise little product 50 walks that you can look at many aspects of the Lake District
1: It does, I mean I'm looking at um, Walk 1 here, Lingmore Fell I mean the the book's going to be called Great Mountain Days in the Lake District and it's a a lovely layout there's a nice little line drawing that, that preserves that feel there's the customised map there's a photograph, it it's um it's, it looks as if it's going to be a very interesting project. But it's fascinating
0: how that that kind of
1: graphic heart of your yes, philosophy makes there. a big difference, doesn't
0: it? It'll, it'll always be there. I should hope. I, that that's the only thing that distinguishes me because that book, in a sense, could have been written by any really good established writer who had a, a, a thorough feeling and grasp of the Lake, lake District, because it takes time to know it well enough to be able to put together a succinct group of 50 walks that actually does represent the area properly, because there's so many subtle variations you can build in, but people want to have something they can say, right, I'll do that walk. And it's part of a learning process. And of course, this book is part of a greater scheme that we have, the Lakeland Fell Ranger series, where I've defined the whole area into eight regions, um, mountain groups, which look at the area far more in, in greater depth
1: now, one of the nice things about this graphic representation it it, it transcends a book I think from being just a normal guidebook to something that's something to treasure. I mean you know we all know the stories about you know people who have got the early editions of the Rainwright guys you know they're worth quite a lot of money now, and people treasure them as mm. as beautiful items as as things to hold on to um now you wouldn't do that with many normal guidebooks, but the the graphics add that feel. And you, in looking at the, the proofs of Great Mountain Days, you can see that here. But we've also got a copy of one of the, one of the first um, of the original Lakeland Fell Ranger guides that you just mentioned. And I think you you know um, it's a beautiful book. But you were telling me these are now changing hands for quite a significant amount of money on eBay <laughs> and things like that. I,
0: yeah, because they only lasted for so about two years uh, under Collins. Um, they did. They only had one print run, uh, and therefore uh, they have an immediate rarity rarity value. When uh, I now transfer to Cicerone, and they we are now re- revamping them, so they're past changing hands for eighty to hundred pounds now on eBay. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> for guidebook, for, of the for a modern yeah, guidebook yeah. as well, which uh is uh you could buy a Wainwright, but no people want because I think there's like an area like the Lake District. Uh, Is such a personal one that you you like to be able. People like to have something that's fresh, and represents now, and uh, and yet uh, has the something of the feel of the past in it as well. And I'm hoping that that's what the and because in Fell Ranger I've looked at I've looked at it afresh. I've even come upon new mountains, new fells that Wainwright hadn't. Recognized as fells. Good God. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I treat it as I say, like virgin territory and, and this thrill of sort of rediscovering them. And, and every summit has got a proper panorama. So, you know, it's pretty indulgent. <laughs> oh, oh, well, but
1: it, from the indulgence comes the passion and the enthusiasm and the energy. And, and that really comes through.
0: Because very often, in these guys. a given fell is the only fell somebody might ever climb. So, you, Actually, yeah. to give them the panorama is important because, you know, Bell Crags, which Wainwright didn't recognise, in fact, nobody recognises it. Um, and I think Bill Burkitt calls it Bleetan Fell. <laughs> but um, if they go up from Dobgill up to Harrop and up to the top of uh, Bell Crags, you get this wonderful view looking up to Blaine Catherine and so forth. And that, these are special moments um, and lead you on to the other other fells, and and Fell Ranger is part of a, a growing abundance, is how, how I see it, the fact that Wainwrights are still a, a, a being reborn in a sort of a way, and other writers are working, like Bill, um, and doing wonderful guidebooks and, and interpretive material on the area, I believe it's a part of an abundance, and uh, um, like I'm... Working a little bit with stagecoach bus company, encouraging people to use the buses to walk with the area. Waywright did all his walking from a yeah. bus, and I'm now cultivating the bus again because I believe that there's a good infrastructure there to use.
1: Very much approve of that. Now I've I been mean, looking at this original um, Lakeland Fell Ranger book. It is a nice thing to own and to have and to keep. You can see why you keep that on your bookcase and. Um, Good for Cicerone to kind of bring those back and to help develop that theme and develop the series. And I'm, I'm struck by this as a publishing company. It's, it's obviously a small company, but it's run by people who are dedicated to the outdoors. And, uh, Jonathan Leslie, who now run it, of course, took over an, an institution when, when they took responsibility for the company, which must, must have been quite traumatic in many ways. But the notion of it being, as Jonathan was just saying to me last night, it's, um, you know, I don't like to treat this as a business. It's more of a community, more of a family of the outdoors, that really comes through, doesn't it? It and does in, in the way in which these these books are presented.
0: Yes, uh, it's it's grown into a wonderful family, and it um, that's I'm, I'm thrilled. When Johnson asked me, could he take over Fell Ranger, uh, it gave me a wonderful warm feeling. Johnson has mellowed into. Becoming the owner of this publishing enterprise, it's it's an institution now, and it represents. uh, You just have to mention the name Cicerone anywhere to anybody, and it means the magic of the outdoors and guidebooks that you can rely on and get inspiration from. They are part and now a part of the the whole magic of walking in, in the world because it's not just Britain, and so Cicerone have. Are almost unique. Well, I would say they are unique in the fact that they, they serve the greater outdoors in, 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 to its best. And I'm thrilled and delighted to be a part of that family. My first guide was the, the three peak district guides put together in the late 1970s, which is a long time ago now, suddenly. Um, and I, because I was farming until I was 50, as it were, well, no, 40 and so forth. That my I didn't produce a huge number of books until suddenly now I've got to a point now where I'm in my 50s. I'm suddenly producing a wonderful gallery of books for Cicerone. It's wonderful. In fact, we're going to put together a book, The Spirit of Hadrian's Wall, a bumper picture book on the wall, um, to be a little bit of a contrast with doing a precise guidebook. Cicero, in other words, Cicerone are expanding and recognizing that not, not only serving the inspiration of getting people to a walk giving them a memento and those books
1: have been very successful haven't they I, I mean i i one of my prized possessions at home is um kev reynolds almost reference book to the pyrenees it's something you can look at through the dark winter months again and again and again You wouldn't take that with you in your rucksack he'd break you back but yeah but uh, but i actually think it, it's right there's it, it's connecting both the the immediate walking but also in that kind of guide you can you can cover so much more you can delve into the history more you can get a feel for the plays mm-hmm. and yet it still has that reference for the outdoor walker for
0: it's, the it, hiker doesn't it it's it's yes um it they use they're very succinct they've got good editors here who's put the r- author right a little bit to not not the author right into producing uh solid text that people will read because we've all got every writer comes up to the, the process uh you can be wordy or ex- expansive and over-focus on particular things, but uh, they have a clear vision of what a guidebook can be like, but they also like the personality of the writer to come over as well, so that they keep the whole thing. So if you want to collect just Mark Richards' guidebooks, you know you'll get something that's distinct from a Kev Reynolds one or a Paddy Dillon guide. They're all brilliant and distinct. They're not banal, like the official guides to the National Trail. Now, <laughs> I was involved with doing the author's Dyke for that, and it was sort of diluted, and you wouldn't recognise who wrote it. Uh, and so that's the great thing about Cicero, it It has, it sustains the magic of the author and the f- distinctiveness.
1: We were talking yesterday about, on, on the production side, balancing that issue of the standardisation and the efficiency of the printed form and the personality of the author and of course you know, many guidebooks think of the Joward guides for example you really don't know who wrote those they're completely depersonalised and one of the lovely things about these conversations and this series of podcasts I think is to introduce the personalities and that enthusiasm and excitement to a wider audience because If we look at Cicero as a family, like any family, it's full of fascinating, eccentric people. um, (laughs) You get wards and all. And that that comes over in the guidebooks. It really does make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I always feel that I'm um, communicating with a given person when I'm writing a guidebook, rather like I'm talking to you here and now. And I I love that one-to-one relationship. And it's like the tip of the iceberg. I occasionally get emails or letters from readers uh, who share this pleasure that i've given them and i've introduced them to something special when you realize how many thousand books i've sold i must have influenced a lot of people as have other Cicerone authors
1: i'm sure you have and it sounds to me as if there's a lot of writing and a lot of guys still to be produced for mark richards for, for which I, I think we're going to be very grateful great
0: mountain days in the lake district we've got the proofs here that's going to be published when i think in march uh, it'll be for the outdoor show in birmingham and the keswick mountain festival will be a bit of a do there and uh so that uh, will be a, a bit of razzmatazz we've got the four lakeland fell Rangers will be coming out in september so there'll be five lakeland books this year um a new edition of my hadrian's wall national trail guide will be coming out this year and uh so there'll be a, a quite a, a cluster there'll be about six books coming out this year that I
1: and then the, from the, me. That, that major peaks project over the next couple of years
0: yeah, the Three Peak District books, another four Fell Rangers, so there'll be eight all told. The Spirit of Hadrian's Wall, which is a very absolutely stunning, with Roger Clegg. His photographs are out of this world, um, and I, I just I just want to keep producing them. I've uh, be able to share my passion. I want to get more line drawings back into my work as well. Keep keep that side going. Uh, but uh, I, and I love being able to do a radio, my radio pieces on Radio Cumbria. Because that's generating an enthusiasm uh, uh, to get the people of Cumbria to appreciate their walking environment. I think that's important. So I like being able to do that as well as to actually create the actual guidebooks. So I I hope my enthusiasm will be um, appreciated and um, uh, spur other people to, as was it Jack Lemon said, when you're doing the one thing that you great get the most passion from, it's good to send the escalator back down. Cicerone offer the opportunity for young authors to get on that escalator and come back up and become a part of the outdoor tradition.
1: I think that's right. Well Mark I'm, I'm sure we've, many of us are going to be looking forward to some of these new publications over the next year or so so if you've still got any of those book tokens left after Christmas hang on to them because there's going to be a lot for you to exchange them for. Mark thanks very much.
0: It's a real delight and thank you for giving me the, this grand opportunity.
1: You can learn more about all of the books that Mark has featured in this interview, and more besides, by visiting the Cicerone website at www.cicerone.co.uk. This sponsored programme is produced and hosted by theoutdoorstation.co.uk.